The following episode may contain language that is not suitable for certain listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host, Chibeze Anakor, and on this episode, we'll be talking about the Tensor chip and the future of Pixel devices. Then after that, we'll get into Warner Media's newfound commitment to anime and action animation. Then after that, we'll get into part two of our series on what Sony's acquisition of Crunchyroll means for the anime industry. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. All right, so first up, let's talk about the Google Tensor chip and the future of possible Pixel devices. So, last week, in case you didn't hear, Google unveiled the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro with the new Google Tensor SOC, or System on a Chip. And so, Tensor formerly known as Whitechapel, if you've been following the leaks and the rumors for the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro. It's the first Google-designed SoC, or system on a chip, that Google is rumored to be partnering with Samsung on designing this chip. So... Um, with that being said, um, the name Tensor, it's derived from the AI and machine or artificial intelligence and machine learning processes, um, that Google uses in their data centers. And then they also have a machine learning, um, program called TensorFlow, Um, so while I, or while I get wanting to name it Tensor, I mean, I'm sure the average consumer won't really know what it is, but, um, but for enthusiasts like me, I don't know if that's the best name, but we'll see. Anyway, with um, with the chip being named Tensor um, and it being derived from the processing units that Google uses in their data centers, you could probably have a good idea of what the focus of this chip will be. And that is, of course, handling AI and machine learning tasks on device. And so what forms will that take? Well, in Google's uh, demos to uh, MKBHD and The Verge, they said that they're primarily focusing in three areas, speech recognition, photography, and videography. So speech recognition, um, you know, that 
will consist of, of course, things like commands for the Google Assistant, and then you also have live captioning, um, translations, all of those things would be handled by the tensor chip and those will be handled on device and not sending that information to Google's cloud anywhere. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, that, and, and when you consider that Google is trying to put the assistant in pretty much everything, that's a pretty big deal. Um, and, but we'll have to see how they can sell that to the average consumer. Um, because AI and machine learning is, I don't know how you can market that, but we'll, um, we'll see. Next up is photography. So if you've been following the pixel line of phones, you know that they have some of the best cameras in the business. Now, other companies like Samsung and Apple um, and others are closing in on and some have actually passed Google's lead because they've they've actually made their sensors better and they've optimized photos for those sensors and they've continued to use the latest and greatest sensors and and things like that whereas with google they've used pretty much the same um they've used the same sensor in pretty much every single pixel phone to date so with the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro, they're actually using different sensors. They're using newer sensors, and that's why the camera bump on the, well, I shouldn't really say camera bump. The camera bar um, actually sticks out um, a lot more than it has on previous Pixel devices. Um, so they're actually, going to try and optimize for those new sensors and we'll see how how um those photos do and wait for the reviews to see how those uh how that pans out for them but um photography should be more improved on these pixel devices than any previous pixel device since probably the pixel two. Um, so next up there's videography. So the pixels haven't really been the greatest at video and video is something that they're trying to improve on. I mean, with the Pixel 5, they've shown that they've at least paid attention to some of the complaints that people have had in terms of video. Now, now with the Tensor chip, um, it'll 
actually allow Google to process every frame of the video and try and actually um, optimize the or optimize the video to try and make it look better than it was actually shot. Um, I don't, (laughs) I'm not a videographer. I'm not even much of a photographer, but basically, um, video should get a good upgrade on the pixel six and six pro. Um, and with the tensor chip, since it's a system on a chip, there will be, or is more than just the one processor. So there are also going to be a couple of different microprocessors like, um, the Titan M2 chip for security, which the which should be an upgrade from the Titan M chip that's been in the previous Pixel devices that I think started with the Pixel 3, if I'm not mistaken, but um, that should improve the security for the Pixel devices. So next up, we're going to get into the unknowns of the tensor chip. So tensor, we don't know the CPU and GPU speeds. We don't know, um, or we don't know any benchmarks. Um, but Google says that there'll be, um, market leading. I don't know if that's true. I imagine it won't be as powerful as say the uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon 888 or the Apple A14, but I don't imagine it'll be a slouch either. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, But what does this tensor chip mean for Google's future Pixel devices? Well, it means that each device with a tensor processor should have more AI features than its competitors. So like I said, with speech recognition, um, you know, it'll be able to process those things faster, like live captions, Google Assistant commands, and then also um, just dictation with photos. It should be able to do many more things like um, just being able to um, sharpen blurry photos or or just like being able to um, create different kinds of shots, maybe even night sight may be improved. Um, We don't know all of the uh, photography improvements just yet, but we'll have to wait and see on that. And then with videography, like I said, um, you know, video should 
definitely be more improved with the, especially with the Pixel 6 Pro, because that has, I believe, the telephoto. So um, with all three of those cameras, those should provide enough data to um, to the Tensor chip in order to optimize the video um, for many different things. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I do think that each device with the Tensor processor should have more AI features than their competitors that use Qualcomm chips or MediaTek chips or things like that. Um, so next up, um, I think future Tensor devices could not just be limited to phones. I think they could be scaled down to fit into devices like Chromecasts or smart displays and speakers, smart watches, Hopefully we get a pixel watch this year, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> and even pixel buds. I think that would be pretty dope. Just like with Apple and their W and H series chips that are in devices like the home pod, the AirPods, um, and um, some previous Beats products. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, if we improve or if Google improves uh, those devices um, with more AI and machine learning um, processes with a Tensor chip, I think that would be really awesome. Um, and just make Google devices uh, just better. Um, and then also, in contrast to scaling down to fit into uh, lower power devices, I think Tensor could also be scaled up to um, devices like Chromebooks. So particularly Pixelbooks. So for me right now, as I'm recording this, I'm using the 2017 Pixelbook. I would love, I would love, love, love to see a proper sequel to this laptop with a Tensor chip and with a better, probably 1080p camera. Um, to replace the 720p one that's in here. I would like smaller bezels. And then I would also like some sort of biometric authentication, like either a face unlock or a fingerprint scanner, preferably a fingerprint scanner. But yeah, um, I do think that Google could get um, these Tensor chips, just soup them up a little bit. Um, just like with Apple and the M series that they're now putting in their Mac devices, I think Google should also do the same thing with this tensor chip that they're putting in their pixel phones and scale it up to Chromebooks 
like the Pixelbook series, and maybe even get back into the tablet game and put out a sequel to the Pixel Slate. I think that would be awesome too. I think some people would actually love to see that. But that's just me. I'm just stating the possibilities um, based on the information that we have now. And so I'm curious, what do you think would be the future of this tensor chip and the future of pixel devices based on this tensor chip? Let me know on social media or on Discord and we can continue the conversation there. I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions. Um, So be sure to sound off. But that is going to do it for this topic, and we'll be right back. See you. Up next, we'll be getting into Warner Media's commitment to action animation and anime. Then after that, we'll get into part two of what Sony's acquisition of Crunchyroll means for the anime industry. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be right back. Welcome back. And now it's time to talk about Warner Media's newfound commitment to anime and action animation. So for those of you who don't know, Jason DeMarco, a longtime executive at Adult Swim, got promoted to senior vice president of anime and action series slash long form for Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios. So what does we'll, we'll get into what all of that means, but. Let me give a little bit of a background on Jason DeMarco. So Jason DeMarco is the co-creator of Toonami. Um, He's been at Toonami since it started back in 1997 and is still working on Toonami now. And he has served in various roles, including music, on-air, and marketing at both Cartoon Network and Adult Swim in his career at Warner Media, which spans over 20 years. He's also created the William Street Records music banner at Adult Swim, um, which unfortunately... Um, He will be giving up that role um, in terms of, you know, just fulfilling um, the music duties and like, you know, releasing new music. Um, But he promises us that's going to be in capable hands. But yeah, um, so that's unfortunate. But um, I do think that this is um, or overall a positive step. Um, so 
So let's get into why Warner Media did this. So why did Warner Media promote Jason DeMarco, the guy who co-created Toonami, to the senior vice president of anime and basically action animation for Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios. Well, um, I don't know if you know this, you probably have if you're listening, or you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, but Warner Media just sold Crunchyroll to Sony earlier this week which leaves a huge hole in Warner Media's content library that they want to fill. So with Warner Media just selling Crunchyroll to Sony, they no longer have a dedicated anime division to um to put anime onto HBO Max. So there um so without Crunchyroll and without and without a dedicated division uh or or a dedicated team um to creating anime and action animation at Warner Media like <laughs> yeah that just left a huge gap. Um and We've seen that Warner Media actually is invested in animation. Earlier this year, they announced a slew of new comedic adult animated series for um, HBO Max, but also they've announced a couple of new action animation series for Cartoon Network and HBO Max, including Batman Caped Crusader, which J.J. Um, Abrams and Bruce Timm are actually producing, which I'm super excited for. Um, and then um, I think the Superman one's called My Adventures with Superman. Um, I'm interested in that one too, but less so than the Batman cartoon, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm really excited, um, for those, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, but also, um, Jason DeMarco had confirmed that it's not just action animation or, anime-inspired Western animation that Warner Media wants to produce, um, but actual anime made in Japan. And um, we're actually going to see one of the first projects under this newfound um newfound division called uh, The Lord of the Rings War for the Rohirrim. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I apologize. I've never seen anything Lord of the Rings, so I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but that is an actual anime that 
um, Warner Brothers Animation is producing in collaboration with a Japanese studio. I believe it's Sola Digital Arts. So the same uh, studio that's working on another um, Warner Media original anime, um, Blade Runner Black Lotus, which is coming later this year to Toonami and Crunchyroll. So yeah, um, that is pretty exciting. Um, so not only are they producing act more action animation, but also actual anime. So if um, you're a fan of either of those things or both of those things, like I am, get excited <laughs> in the words of Senku from Dr. Stone. Um, so um, another reason that Warner Media did this is because of the main point that um, I want to uh, talk about here, which is content ownership. So like, what are you talking about, Chibese? What or Warner Media owned Crunchyroll? So doesn't that mean that they own the content that Crunchyroll? has well actually no um when warner media owned crunchyroll they didn't own the content that crunchyroll licensed and therefore couldn't put crunchyroll's entire library on hbo max or toonami um which um <laughs> I mean, I don't know how they would be able to do that anyway, but regardless, um, they couldn't put Crunchyroll's entire library on HBO Max because Warner Media doesn't own that content. Um, they have to, or they had to license it from third party companies. And Warner Media. When they did own Crunchyroll, they also owned the Crunchyroll originals. But thus far, the quality of those originals have been very low, um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, haven't really been that great. So, um, so really, what did Warner Media lose here? Not all that much, to be honest, um, in terms of ownership. So with Crunchyroll now out of Warner Media's hands and into Sony's and uh, no longer having a dedicated anime division, they decided to start one with Jason DeMarco as the head of it. And I think that's a very smart move on Warner Media's part. Um, but yeah, Warner Media definitely wants to own the content that they produce um, and that they or they want to own the content so that they can put it on their own platforms. Um, and by actually collaborating with um, animation houses in Japan, 
they can or they can own the content um and shut out all of their competitors um and keep it for themselves which if you own or if you have a streaming service or if you have a platform it's best to own most if not all of the content on that platform so it makes a lot of sense as to why um why warner media is doing this um and plus um licensing anime has gotten very expensive as um there's been just a lot of um, mergers and acquisitions in the um, entertainment industry and then plus giants like netflix and amazon getting into the race in terms of anime so you know with those two companies having big pockets of money um like crunchyroll you know had um and warner media you know, had to pay more for anime because they know now what western companies can actually offer in terms of financial support so um it's better and probably cheaper in order for them to or it's it's better and cheaper for them to be involved in a project from the beginning rather than having to license an already finished product if that makes sense um i hope that makes sense um so next up um another reason why warner media did this is because they've seen the success of streaming exclusive action animation such as netflix's castlevania and Amazon's Invincible and wants a piece of that pie. And I mean, Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios are very, very capable studios. We're talking studios that have produced things such as Samurai Jack, Gandhi Tartakovsky's Primal, Symbionic Titan, Mega's XLR, Batman the Animated Series, Justice League Unlimited, Thundercats 2011, like the list goes on and on between those two studios. And so Warner Media knows what Cartoon Network Studios and Warner Brothers Animation are capable of and wants to take Netflix and Amazon and other competitors head on in terms of producing quality anime and action animation. And I think for uh, someone like me, who's a fan of action animation, like I'm a Toonami kid, so I grew up with Toonami and all of these anime and action animation uh, shows. Like, this is like, <laughs> This is like a dream come true to me. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see what this new um, 
what this new division within Warner Media produces. So, what does this mean for Toonami and Adult Swim? Well, this means more original anime. So, uh, Toonami already has some originals down the pipeline that we know of. Uh, Fena Pirate Princess is coming out very soon. In fact, probably within 24 hours of me releasing this episode. Um, so be sure to tune into that on um, Toonami or Crunchyroll. Um, and then we also have Blade Runner Black Lotus coming later this year. We have Uzumaki coming uh, next year in 2022. Um, and then Shenmue, the animation coming out in or eventually <laughs> coming out eventually. Um, and yeah, um, those are the ones that we know of. Um, oh, um, well, yeah, those are the ones that we know of. So, um, yeah, we'll get even more of that, um, in the future. And I'm excited to see which, um, which anime they fund and how good they'll be. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, so it also means more Western action animation outside of promotion events, which can bring some much needed diversity to Toonami. So, um, Toonami as it stands right now is mostly consistent of battle shonen anime which aren't bad. I love battle shonen anime as much as the next person, but you know, like seeing multiple of those series at once, like it can get pretty tiring um, to see the same tropes being played over and over and over again. So it would be nice to have some diversity on Toonami, and I think that Western action animation can provide that. Um, and thankfully, Toonami has been airing more Western action animation as of late, but the problem with that is that it's only when Warner Media wants to promote something. So the most recent example of that was with the Harley Quinn marathon that um, recently aired on Toonami. Um, and that was to promote the Suicide Squad, which as of the time of this recording is now streaming on HBO Max and in theaters. So definitely check that out. Uh, not a sponsor. <laughs> um, but um before that, we also had the uh, promotion event for Wonder Woman 1984, where they aired uh, Wonder Woman Bloodlines and Justice League The New Frontier. And then before that, they had uh, Primal to promote HBO Max. And then before that was um, the Batman Dark Knights 
um, to promote DC fandom where they aired uh, Batman Year One, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Parts 1 and 2, and Batman Gotham Knight. So all of those were promotional events, which aren't bad. Um, And I watched every single one of them because I want more Western animation on Toonami. But I would like that on a weekly basis and not just a couple of times per year. Um, So I definitely think that... um, that more Western animation is needed on Toonami. Um, and then another thing that this means for Toonami is that they get a direct pipeline to Warner Brothers animation, which they didn't have before 2019. So what does that mean? Well, um, in order to explain that, let's backtrack a little bit. So Cartoon Network and by extension, Toonami and Adult Swim was owned by Turner Broadcasting um, until AT&T reorganized Warner Media in 2019 after they acquired Time Warner, um, putting Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, and Boomerang under Warner Brothers, their film studio. So now that uh, Toonami and Adult Swim and Cartoon Network are part of Warner Brothers, they have a direct corporate pipeline to Warner Brothers animation, which they didn't have while uh, those companies were at Turner. Um, Actually, at Turner, they were both, um, or Turner and Warner Brothers didn't work um, together all that much. So, so it's nice to see them finally, um, or it's nice to see Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers finally working together, um, as of the past two years. And last but not least, uh, content to fill in current and upcoming gaps. So, um, what does this mean? Well, um, Toonami has been losing content um, by quite a lot, actually. Um, of course, um, I mean, this is nothing new, but um, recently uh, Netflix picked up JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean, and they will be sc- streaming that exclusively starting in December, which means that uh, Toonami won't be able to air uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean like they have with other season or previous seasons of JoJo's. Um, And then also uh, Amazon picked up the rebuild of Evangelion movies. So Toonami aired Evangelion 1.11 and 2.22. They haven't aired 3.33, and they're definitely not going to be able to air the fourth Evangelion film because Amazon picked 
up uh, the fourth Evangelion film as an exclusive. And then they'll also be streaming the first three Evangelion films exclusively as well with a new dub. So Toonami is never going to be able to finish airing those movies, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, um, those are, you know, just the current gaps and we're not even talking about, uh, future gaps that, you know, could be, uh, that could happen. Um, so, so yeah, um, I think that both of those, um, I think that upcoming gaps and current gaps will need to be filled. And the best way to do that would be to fill it with original programs. Um, and so, yeah, that's what it means for Toonami and Adult Swim. So what does it mean for Cartoon Network? Um, it means more action animation, which Cartoon Network could definitely use more of, um, because, um, Starting in the early 2010s, Cartoon Network has been moving away from action animation and is now almost exclusively comedic. Um, so, so with this new division at Warner Media, we could definitely see more action animation on Cartoon Network like there was um, in the, um, in the two thousands really, um, and the early 2010s, um, but mainly the two thousands. Um, and of course, maybe, or I shouldn't say of course, but maybe, um, anime may also make a return to Cartoon Network outside of the toyetic ones, like, you know, Bakugan and all those other ones. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's what it means for Cartoon Network. And what does this mean for HBO Max? Well, it means that more original action animation can come to HBO Max if it doesn't fit Cartoon Network or Adult Swim at all. Um, and it also means that Cartoon Network and Adult Swim's original action cartoons and anime can also um, be directly um, fed into HBO Max. Um, and it also means that uh, more anime can get into HBO Max. Um, and who knows? We may actually see a Max original anime. Wouldn't that be something? A Max original anime? I would actually love to see that. But um, yeah, I think the future of action animation on Warner Media's platforms is looking really bright um, because of this news. And um, I think that we're going to see more Western action animation, which um, is awesome because um, Netflix has pretty much been carrying uh, the action animation 
uh, genre on their backs um, for for a lot of the 2010s. So it's nice as we um, are in this new decade that more companies are getting in on the action. Um, and I think that's a good thing for all of us who enjoy action animation and anime as well. Um, but let me know what you think of this news. Are you excited? Are you, are you bummed out about this news? Um, what, what pros do you think there are to this? What cons do you think there are to this? Um, let me know your thoughts on social media or on discord and we can continue the conversation there, but yeah, we'll definitely be right back, um, with the next topic. Up next, we'll get into part two of what Sony's acquisition of Crunchyroll means for the anime industry. The Cells and Circuits podcast will return in a moment. Welcome back. And now it's time to talk about what Sony's acquisition of Crunchyroll means for the anime industry. And this is part two. Um, I decided to turn it into a series because we now have an update on the situation with Sony and Crunchyroll. So I'm sure you guys have heard by now that Sony's acquisition of Crunchyroll has closed. So what does this mean? Well, it means that Crunchyroll is now a fully owned subsidiary of the Funimation Global Group Ac Sony. Um, and it also means that Sony is now pretty much the largest anime distributor in the world, which is absolutely wild to me. Um, and it also means that Sony now owns three anime brands. They own Aniplex, they own Funimation, and they own Crunchyroll. So imagine, six years ago, just about all three of those companies were competitors, and now they're all sister companies, which is absolutely bonkers to me. But um, that's just the time we live in. Um, so, so with all that being said, what could this mean for Sony services? Well, we do know that Sony in its press release, um, when the acquisition closed, they said that they plan on creating a combined subscription service as soon as possible. So both Funimation and Crunchyroll have their separate subscription services. So um, with both anime brands now being part of the same company, it would make a lot of sense to combine those subscriptions into one. Now, what form that will take we don't know yet. Could it be that Crunch or could it be that Funimation's 
content returns to Verve and they take or Verve globally? We don't know. Could it just mean that Crunchyroll's content um, will all just be added to Funimation? Um, we don't know. Could it be the other way around where Funimation's content is just added to Crunchyroll? We don't know. Um, we don't know what form that'll, that combined subscription service will take, but we know that it's coming because Sony confirmed it. Um, now that's pretty much all Sony confirmed in their press release. So we don't know anything else. So from here on is going to be speculation, but, um, Sony could also combine its other services, its other entertainment services, particularly those within the PlayStation brand. Um, so we're talking PlayStation Plus or PlayStation Now with Crunchyroll and Funimation to create, I guess, like some kind of ultimate entertainment service where you could have both anime and gaming, which would actually make a lot of sense because there's a lot of crossover between the anime and gaming communities. And Sony knows this. So I'm surprised that they haven't done this already with Funimation because Funimation on its own is a pretty good service. Um, I just wish that its app was better um, because it can be pretty hard to navigate and sometimes it just, it just craps out on you. But, um, but regardless, I'm surprised that they haven't already done this with Funimation. But I guess since Crunchyroll has more of a global reach than Funimation, which only operates in really the US, Europe, and Australia and New Zealand, um, it makes, and I guess also uh, Mexico and Brazil, which um, it just opened its uh, streaming service to in December. Um, like it makes a lot of sense that um that now that they have Crunchyroll and they have more of a global um audience that they can tap into it would make a whole lot of sense for Sony to combine either PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Now or both with Funimation and Crunchyroll to create a like mega um, entertainment service. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, but, um, that those are my thoughts. I mean, this isn't a, or this isn't going to be a very long segment. Um, because not much has happened other than the deal closing and Sony, um, admitting that they're um, planning on creating a combined service. Um, if you missed part one of this series, 
Um, that's actually in episode 19. So I would encourage you to go back to that episode um, and listen to all of that. I or listen to that segment. I go over the pros and cons and also what the unknowns are, um, which, you know, all still kind of hold up to this day. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, if you haven't already and yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Let me know what you think of, uh, Sony's acquisition of Crunchyroll. Do you think it's good for the anime industry? Do you think it's bad for the anime industry? Um, what services would you like to see Sony offer now that it has both Funimation and Crunchyroll under its belt. Definitely let me know your thoughts on social media or on Discord, and we can continue the conversation there. But that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Cells and Circuits podcast, the place for tunes, tech, and where they intersect. Let me know what you think of any of the topics discussed on social media or on Discord via the flow page link in the show notes. If you like this content, share it on social media and give it a review to help more people find it. If you want to see even more content just like this, consider supporting Cells and Circuits on Coffee or visiting the Cells and Circuits shop. The Cells and Circuits podcast was written, produced, and edited by me, Chibeze Anacor. Our intro, outro, and transition music was made by Tiffy3. That'll do it for this episode. So until next time, I'm Chibeze signing off.